Hey, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. If you're in the foyer, let's go ahead and make our way in this morning. Our call to worship comes from the Psalms, Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2. It says this, hear this, church. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to your name most high, to declare your faithful love in the morning and your faithfulness in night. And so this morning we get to do that. So if you would, let's stand together. Let's sing songs of praise. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know. Everything I need, you've got this honey in the rock. Praying for a miracle, thirsty for the living world. Sweetness at the mercy seat. Now I've tasted it's not hard to see. Only you can satisfy. There's honey in the rock. There's honey in the rock. There's honey in the rock. Hey, 
good morning. If everybody can move to your left, people are still coming in and we'd love to have a seat for everybody. So before you sit down, move as far as you on your row as you can to your left. Well, good morning. We're so glad that you're here and that you decided to come and worship with us this morning. If you're here for the first time or the first time in a really long time, we're really glad that you're here. My name is Margo and I get to serve on both the women's team and the community team. And this morning, we're gonna talk about community and small groups. And Kara is up here with me. And uh, I wanna ask you a few questions. When is the first time, Kara, that you decided to join a small group? So I started attending women's Bible studies in the evening when I came home from school and was working and single. And then my husband and I joined um, community groups at Fellowship when we started coming here in 2017. Awesome. So um, would you be willing to share a time when it's been impactful yes, to be in a small yeah. group? So um, in 2019, we had a miscarriage. And when I think back on the people who showed up and came alongside me and were woven into my community already and the people who could sit down with me and say, me too, I've been there, I can help you through this. And then the people that I've been able to pass that on to moving forward. Um, it's the people that God had given to me in divine friendship through community group and especially in women's group. I love that. So for all those skeptics out there that are like, eh, I don't think I want to do a small group, what would you say to them? Um, my passion is just when I run into someone who feels lost or lonely or needing community, especially in a church this size, that's, that is where you find it, and that's where you get plugged in at. Okay, so you would say join a small group? Join a small group. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you've probably seen a lot of women out in the foyer. We are having a women's open house this morning, and we would love, love, love for you to stop by and talk to us about how you can get plugged in here. And since school has started, it's time for a women's Bible study to start. We have Tuesday morning down at... Um, the elementary area, 9 a.m. to 11, we have two different studies for you to choose from, and Tuesday evening at 6.30 down in the elementary. There is childcare, but we need you to go ahead and register now. Also, we are going to do something we've done before, which is the women's retreat. If you haven't had a chance to get plugged in. This is a great way for you to get plugged in just for a minute. It's three hours on Friday night, three hours on Saturday morning. You'll get to go to somebody's house that hopefully lives somewhere close to you, and you'll get to worship together and study the word together and get a taste of what it's like to be around women who go to your church. And so guys, I need you to hear this one because you're gonna know somebody that needs to be invited. We're gonna do something we've never done before. We're going to have single and significant. We want to invite you to lunch if you are a woman, ages 50 to 100, and guys, I know you know somebody like that. If you are single either by circumstance or by choice, we want you to come have lunch with, lunch with us over at FSM after church on October 1st. So put that in your calendar, October 1st, and you need to go and register because we want to feed you that day. And finally, um, we have merge. Merge is if you are um, seriously dating or you're engaged, it's our premarital counseling, and we would love you to, for you to come and join us. I think it starts on September 17th. So, Kara, thank you for joining me this morning. We would encourage you to join a small group, and I think Ryan has something else. Yep, I got one more for us. Um, this is for really any age, probably high school and up. So college students, we would love to see you there as well. But tomorrow night, we're hosting a creative collective in the student center right across the hallway at 6.30. So we're gonna have some snacks there for you as well. But this is for um, our creative uh, community, our ministry called Spe Spectra. And we're gonna be sh hearing from different artists. They're gonna share their artwork that they've created for this upcoming Philippians series, um, and it's really cool. These nights are so cool um, because we get to hear their heart behind what they've been creating. We get to 
We get to hear them articulate what God's doing in their lives when they are creating. And so we hope that it's inspiring to all of you. So even if you're not, you wouldn't consider yourself an artist, but maybe you're just interested in the arts and interested in, in creativity, this is open for you. So tomorrow night, 6.30, we'd love to see you there. Uh, church, let's continue to worship. Let's stand together. We're gonna sing a chorus of a song. Uh, it simply says this. It says, all my soul needs is all your love to cover me. And that's good news for us that that's all that we need because that's all that, that's all that we have. We have nothing to give. That's all that we can receive from God is everything. And so we're gonna sing this together. Remind ourselves of that this morning. So it goes like this. Sing it with me. And all my soul is all your love to cover me so you'll see that I have nothing without you it's a simple chorus but it's a deep truth let's sing it again and
to be at Fellowship Fayetteville. What an exciting time. Great to have a full room. Thank you for joining us this morning. Our college students are back. We got any college students in here? Yeah, glad y'all are here. Glad to have you back. 
We have our college service on Sunday night. They had a bunch of students there last week. I'm sure they will again tonight. That team's doing a great job. I'm sure a lot of you heard. Not only were we packed here last Sunday, but the east side service was full. I haven't heard this morning, but I'm guessing it's probably full again. The Lord is at work, and it's just a fun time to be a part of it. Well, my name is Michael. If I haven't met you yet, I serve on the community team here at Fellowship Fayetteville. And one thing that my friends know about me that I want you to know about me is I love music. I grew up making music. My family was musical. I'm a band kid. I married a band kid. And Lee and I have music playing all the time in our home, uh, in our cars. A lot of my friends love podcasts. I like podcasts fine, but I'd usually rather listen to music. Yesterday, I got out mode, had the, the earbuds in, just enjoying music. And like most people, music for me is like a time stamp. Not only for seasons in my life that I hear a song, it takes me back to that time, but for the year, like how the year rolls out, there are certain songs I associate with certain times of the year. Like Christmas, right? We hear Christmas music, it immediately takes us to Christmas time. That's why I'm very strict about not listening to Christmas music early. Lee laughs at me if we're watching like a streaming show and a Christmas episode comes on, I'm like, skip it. I don't want Christmas in August. I want to keep that in Christmas time. But there's other songs that work that way for us. Like there's one for this time of year we're in right now. Oh, what is that? Monday night football. Yeah, I don't want to hear that song from February till August. But man, in September, that thing starts to play. Listen to that. Oh yeah, that'll get your heart pumping a little bit. It's time for football. And even on a Monday, I hear that song on a Monday. It makes my day a little better because I know there's gonna be a football game that night, right? All right, I know some of y'all are like, oh, here goes Michael with the sports stuff again. All right, here's one that's, that's not sports related. Where are you when you hear this song? A wedding, of course. When you hear this song, your mind immediately goes to a wedding, maybe your own wedding. You almost never hear this song anywhere else. And by the way, it's called Paco Bell's Canon. Don't call it Taco Bell's Canon, okay? It's not funny anymore. People just think you're goofy. But there's one song, one song we all want to hear this time of year. What does this tell you it's time for? Yes, I think I heard it. Marching band. Who's not excited about marching band? I mean, I like football as much as the next guy. But when they make that big A, come on, it don't get any better than that. I don't know how our team's going to do this year, but that band's going to go 8-0 at halftime, including a win over the Texas A&M band in Dallas. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at a song that functions that same way. But it's 3,000 years old. And for the people of that time, this song signaled something important, something about that time of year. And what we're going to see is it has something to teach us even still today. So go ahead and turn with me if you brought your Bible. We're going to be in Psalm 133. If you have a paper Bible, just open right to the middle. You'll be close to Psalm 133. Maybe you've got your phone. You can Google it if you don't have a Bible app. Let's all Put our eyes on Psalm 133. As you're turning there, I just want to kind of explain what we're doing right now at Fellowship Fable. So all summer, we've been studying the book of 1 Peter, and in two weeks, we're going to start studying the book of Philippians. But in between, in the middle here, we've got three weeks where we're looking at our mission and our vision to remind ourselves why we're doing all the things we're doing this time of year. So last week, Garland told us, Fellowship's vision is to change the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world. We usually shorten that down to a short two-word phrase, life change. Our vision is to see the gospel create life change for people. And our mission is how we're gonna do that. And our mission is to produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to Northwest Arkansas and the world. And we usually shorten that down to a three-word phrase, produce and release. And so the short version of our mission vision is we want to produce and release leaders who can help facilitate life change 
help people come to know the Lord and follow him more closely. And so in these three weeks, last week Garland talked about in the family, this morning we're gonna talk about in our community, next week we're gonna talk about the world global. And this morning we're gonna look at community in a place you might not expect, the book of Psalms. Psalms is the Bible's songbook. It's a bunch of poems and songs written to help people worship the Lord and to teach themselves about God and who he is. And we still do that today, don't we? The song we just sang is a good example. When we sing, you've already won, we're declaring that truth. We're worshiping God through that, but we're also teaching our heart that so that sometimes when it feels like maybe we're losing, even if we can't remember 1 Corinthians 15, 57, we can remember Jesus, you've already won. We've taught ourselves that through singing. So look with me at Psalm 133. We're gonna look at what they were teaching themselves as they sang this song. What's the first word of the psalm? Oh, you probably skipped it. It's not behold. You might not realize that first part, that's actually part of the inspired biblical text. The Holy Spirit put that there. That's not something placed in there by your translators. It's part of the scripture, the introduction, the title. Seminary types call it the superscription. And so that was put there by the Lord, and a lot of times it's really important. So this one says, a song of ascents of David. So we know right off the bat, Psalm 133 was written by David. That's pretty cool. Israel's greatest king, the shepherd, the poet, the warrior, a man after God's own heart, this is a song he wanted his people to sing. And it also says, Song of Ascents. So what does that mean? Well, Jerusalem is a little bit like the U of A, in that it's a holy place. No, in that <laughs> it's on a hill. However you want to get to the U of A, you have to go uphill. That's true in Jerusalem. No matter what direction you approach Jerusalem from, you have to ascend and so there's a group of, of psalms, 15 of them in fact, they begin at Psalm 120, and each of them says a song of ascents. And so the idea is that as pilgrims three times a year were streaming into Jerusalem from all over Israel and the surrounding nations for these major festivals, they were going up, up, up these roads into Jerusalem. And as they were ascending, they were singing these songs. And so now with all of that in mind, look at Psalm 133. I'm gonna read it for us. A song of ascents of David, verse one. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. That's the whole thing. That's the whole song, the whole psalm. And we're gonna look at it in, in three pieces, unity, priesthood, and blessing. So let's start with unity. Now, it's right there in the passage. When brothers dwell in unity. Now remember, they're singing this as they converge from all around Israel, all around the surrounding areas on their way into Jerusalem. Behold means look. Look how good it is when brothers dwell in unity. You know, we actually do experience something like that right here at the U of A. We're gonna experience it in two Saturdays because people are gonna come from all over to watch the hogs. And so as we're ascending the hill, on Stadium Drive, on Razorback, on Maple. We're all gonna be dressed in red and white. We're all gonna be calling the hogs in unity. We're not gonna care if that other hog fan voted for the other guy. We're not gonna care if he pulls for the Rangers instead of the Cardinals. We're not gonna care if he likes Pepsi better than Coke. I'm just kidding, no one likes Pepsi better than Coke. Don't email me, I'm just joking. Now think about Israel. They're coming from all over. Was Israel a divided nation? Yes. They're gonna have a civil war in David's lifetime. 
And within two generations, the nation's gonna break apart. They were literally from different tribes, different national interests, some from urban areas, some from agricultural areas. They had beefs between ancestors that went back generations. They didn't all even agree on how to interpret the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament. David's saying in verse one, isn't it great when none of that matters? When we can come together to worship the Lord in unity. Now, David says brothers, and that is a good translation. It is a masculine Hebrew word, but there's other places we see it translated relatives or kinsmen. So it means family. He's saying, isn't it great when our family can all just get along? All just have unity? And then I love the Hebrew word that's translated unity here. The Hebrew word is yahad. And my Hebrew dictionary says it means community in action. Oh, that's pretty cool. As a community pastor, that gets me even more excited than the fight song. Community in action. And so here's my paraphrase. I'm not saying this is a translation. This is me putting verse one in my own words. Look how great it is when the family of faith experiences community in action. And then David's gonna get really poetic, which he should, right? It's a song. He's gonna use some poetic imagery. He's gonna do two similes. Remember similes from your lit class? Comparisons using like or as. The first one is a simile involving the priesthood. He says, this unity is like the precious oil on the head that runs down on the beard of Aaron and onto the collar of his robe. Well, what's he talking about? It's not immediately obvious to us, but it was to the original singers of this song. He's talking about the priesthood. See, Aaron was Moses' brother, and he was the original priest. And the people who were originally singing this song at certain times of the year knew that they were about to meet with a priest who would represent God to them. See, it was the role of the priest to stand between a holy God and sinful people. The Israelites would give their sacrifice to a, a priest, a priest who had been anointed, who had been set apart, and he would then offer that up to God on the people's behalf. And so the oil he's talking about here, it's the anointing oil of a priest. It was fragrant, and it represented God's blessing. And look, it's, it's bountiful, right? It's not a few drops. Oh, it's running down on his beard. It's running down on his robe. God's blessing is overflowing through this mediator, the priest. And then he gives us a second simile, a simile about blessing he says, this unity, when the family all gets along and dwells together, it's like the dew of Hermon. Mount Hermon is one of the higher mountains in Israel. It's over 9,000 feet high, and it's snow-capped for most of the year. And the way the geography of Israel works, Mount Hermon gets way more rainfall than any other place. And so the area around it is green and lush where the water runs down off Mount Hermon. And so picture it, here are these pilgrims journeying to Jerusalem. Maybe they could see Mount Hermon's snow-capped peak in the distance, and they're singing this song that says, dwelling together in unity, it's like the refreshing water that comes from Mount Hermon. It's cool, it's life-giving, it's unique. It's a picture of the Lord's blessing. Look at the last verse. The blessing, life forevermore. So year after year, these followers of Yahweh, these Jewish believers, they would sing this song about unity in the Lord, putting aside their differences, putting aside the things that come between them. And they would sing, man, this unity that comes through a priest that represents the Lord to us, it's like the cool water that comes down from Mount Hermon. And it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And so, of course, I'm gonna summarize it. I know that's dangerous. Suzanne, the poet laureate of Arkansas, goes to church here. She's probably here. She's probably gonna hate to see me take a beautiful work of art and summarize it in a concise statement, but that's what I do. 
We experience God's blessing when we connect with him and with each other. That's the point of Psalm 133. David's painting this picture of God's people connecting with him through a priest as they connect with each other in unity. And he says that's how we experience the blessing of God. Now, some of y'all are thinking to yourself, yeah, of course the band kid likes a poem. We're not Jewish. We're not journeying to Jerusalem. You're right. But here's what we're gonna see. In the New Testament, those writers are gonna pick up these same ideas and even this same language to describe Christian New Testament believers like us dwelling in unity, experiencing the blessing of God, and yes, they're even gonna talk about the priesthood. So I'm gonna ask you to turn to another passage. Those of you who worship here regularly know I'm normally a one-passage preacher. Today I'm gonna ask you to bear with me and turn to a second one. And if you've been here all summer, your Bible's just gonna fall right open to it. Let's go back to 1 Peter. I know Garland was still in 1 Peter last week. Y'all are like, man, y'all been finishing 1 Peter for three weeks. I promise in two weeks we really are gonna turn to Philippians. But Peter has not let go of me yet. 1 Peter chapter two, we're gonna pick it up in verse one. Look what Peter says. Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. You know what that sounds like to me? Sounds like dwelling in unity. I know how my grandma would have paraphrased this verse. Y'all cut out all that fussing. That's what Peter's saying to us. Put away the ill will, the lying. Stop saying one thing and doing another. Stop being jealous. And stop, peop- stop running people in your family of faith down. He says, just put all that away. He's saying the exact same thing David said. Dwell in unity, togetherness. And then, believe it or not, Peter, like David, is going to mention the priesthood. Now, for David, it was the Old Testament priesthood where an anointed person stood between a holy God and sinful people. But do you remember what Peter's gonna say about the priests? Look down at verse nine. Followers of Jesus, you're the priests. He says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession." that you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. See, Jesus is now our mediator. We don't need a high priest anymore because Jesus is our high priest. He lived the perfect life none of us could live. And when he went to the cross, he died the death that we deserve. Then he was resurrected, defeating sin and death forever. And now he stands between a holy God and sinful man. And so Peter says, now, Jesus followers, you're the priests. You're his representatives to the world. Our job now is to tell the story of how we were called out of the darkness of our former lives and into his marvelous light. That's the gospel message. We call this idea the priesthood of the believer. And it means that we're the royal priests because the king, King Jesus, He's in our midst, and he's sending us out to represent him, to share the good news of his kingly rule with the world. And just like in Psalm 133, Peter says this leads to blessing. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Maybe you've heard the saying that grace is getting something good you didn't deserve. Well, mercy is not getting something bad that you did deserve. Peter says, you were nobody. You had nobody. All you had coming your way was judgment. But now, oh, now you're somebody. Because you're a member of God's family, you've been shown mercy See, Jesus took the punishment that you and I deserved, and now, if you're following him, you're already experiencing God's blessing. How? By connecting 
with God and with each other. We were made to experience God's blessing. And many of us have tried to do it on our own. We've tried to prove that we were enough. We've tried to be smart enough, beautiful enough. We've tried to work hard enough. We've tried to be successful enough that we thought eventually we'd be able to look in that mirror and go, you did it. But we never can, can we? Because we can never get there because that's not how God designed us to experience his blessing. He designed us to experience it by connecting with him and with each other, as David said, dwelling in unity. And here at Fellowship, we really and truly believe that this best happens in community. Remember our word from Psalm 133.1, Yahad, community in action? That's what we're talking about. The best way to connect with the Lord and with each other is through Christ-centered community. We've been saying it for years. We all need a place where we can belong to each other and to the Lord. We all need a place where we can grow spiritually. Don't we all want that? To grow in our faith, to walk more closely with him? And we all need a place where we can serve, where we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to each other, to our neighbors and our community, and maybe even to people we'll never see as we reach out to meet real needs in the name of Jesus, because that's who's at the center of all of this, Jesus. And so whether you're here today and you already know him, or you're here and you're interested in getting to know him, man, we think a small group of people, a gathering where you can know and be known, where you can open your Bibles together and seek the Lord, where you can be on mission together. That's the very best place to experience this idea of unity, connection to God, and blessing. And I want you to think about this. I want you to think about being in a place where you can be the real you, not the you that you project, not the you that wants to make people think you're successful, not the you you put out there on social media, the real you. And now I want you to imagine being accepted for who you really are, being loved just as you are, just as you love and accept other people who are just like you, trying to figure this whole thing out, because that's what we discover when we get in community. We find out, I'm not the only one who doesn't have it all together. I'm not the only one who continues to struggle with sin. I'm not the only one who often feels like I'm in this over my head. And I know right now some of you are thinking, yeah, that all sounds good. But you don't have a group for someone like me. And to you I say, try us. We've got all kinds of groups to fit all kinds of people. So here we go. If you don't know what you're going to do for Christ-centered community this fall, get your phone out, because I'm about to give you a chance to get yourself plugged in. Here we go. Option number one, a community group studying Philippians. The books are in. They're at the info booth, and they are beautiful. And in those books, there are discussion questions that go along with each week. It's taught on Sunday morning. You study it on your own, and then you get together with some other people who've got the same questions as you, and you talk about it. I can't recommend this study highly enough. This is exactly what my community group's gonna be doing. We're gonna be studying Philippians together. So hit that QR code, fill out that form. If you don't know where you're gonna be in community group, we will find a group that's a good fit for you if you wanna study Philippians. All right, some of you are thinking... What else you got? Well, how about Every Good Endeavor by Timothy Keller, one of our favorites. We recently lost him. This is a book about life in the place where most of us spend most of our time, 
work. It's divided into three sections. God's plan for work, our problem with work, and the gospel and work. And so right now, if you're thinking, wow, that actually sounds like something I'd like to know more about. I'd actually like to read some thinking on that and discuss that with some other people. Hit that QR code. There's gonna be a box on that form that says, tell us about yourself. In that box, just put Keller book or Good Endeavor or Work Study or the other one. We'll know what you want. We'll help you find a group that's reading this book. I think it's gonna be really empowering. All right, there's choice number two. I've got one more, choice number three. Whether you've been here a long time or a short time, if you've never really plugged in, Discover Fellowship is a great place for you. We would love to welcome you into Discover Fellowship where we talk a little bit about what we believe and we study some passages and look at how we live those out here at Fellowship. It'll start in two weeks with a couple of large group sessions in the classroom. Then we'll meet on Sunday evenings in our small group. This would be your community group for this semester. And my wife, Lee, and I have led Discover many times. It is a great experience. If you've never done it, I want to invite you into it. And at the end of it, if you feel led to, you can join fellowship. Okay, so those are our community group options. Philippians, every good endeavor, and Discover. But maybe those don't work for you. Maybe there's a legit reason that you can't Make one of those work. We got some other good options. Or maybe you're already in a community group and you'd like to add something else. Well, you already heard Margot and Kara talking about our women's groups. Open house in the foyer this morning. Ladies, this is a great place to get plugged in and experience Christ-centered community. And guys, of course we have men's groups. They meet all over Fayetteville in coffee shops and boardrooms and homes. We also have a couple of larger groups that'll be meeting here on Wednesday morning, studying Nehemiah. On Thursday morning, studying Philippians along with the teaching text. There's also a group studying Romans on Thursday morning. Hit that QR code or talk to one of us. Guys, we'd love to get you plugged in. All right, that was a ton of information. You can find me if you got questions. There's people at the community booth. We'd love to talk to you about it. Here's the bottom line. David, king of Israel, writing the Psalms calling God's people to experience unity, community in action, knowing that it's in that unity, connecting with each other and with the Lord that his blessing is found. But I really do wanna let Peter have the last word. Man, what a summer I personally have had in 1 Peter. That book has just been working on me week after week. Look how similar the language that Peter uses is. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. He says, don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. When they call you names, don't call them names back. But on the contrary, bless. For th to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. You were called to unity so you can receive a blessing fellowship. We really believe that unity and blessing await you in one of these small groups. And our whole team is ready to help you find the place where you can connect with God and with each other and in the process, be blessed. Let's pray. Well, Lord, thank you for your word. It's never changed. Lord, the first time in your word that you say something is not good, it's that man is alone. We were never designed to do this by ourselves. And so, Lord, my prayer is that for each person who's here and who's not here but calls fellowship home and then out from there, their friends, their neighbors, Lord, that we would all find Christ-centered community and that by your word and your spirit with your people, we would see you more clearly. We'd be blessed. We would abide.
This joy is mine. 
share and discover. If it seems like I'm really passionate about this ministry model, it's because it changed my life. I can't even explain how much small groups and community has changed everything about my walk with the Lord. When Lee and I got in our first community group in 1998, we had no idea how much it was going to impact everything about us. And I want that for every one of you. All right, could y'all bring the lights up in the room? If you're a small group leader, community group, men's group, women's group, I want you to raise your hand. Hold your hand up, keep it up, keep it up. Raise it where people can see it. If you don't know what you're gonna do for community, do you know one of these people with their hand up? Talk to them about their group. And if you don't know any of them, you know me. Come talk to me at the community booth. We want to help you find a place where you can connect with each other and with the Lord and experience his blessing. Hey, we've got great folks in the prayer room. They'd love to pray with you. There's communion available back there through these doors to your right. Fellowship, we love you. We'll see you next week.